This year, more than 600,000 Americans are expected to die from cancer, and 1.7 million people will be diagnosed with the disease. For this week's Campus Conversation, I talked with University of Illinois bioengineering professor Rohit Bhargav, founding director of the New Cancer Institute at Illinois. It's pulling together cancer researchers across campus to fight the disease and improve the way patients are diagnosed, monitored, and treated. With a unique approach based on engineering and technology advances, the center hopes to win designation as a National Cancer Institute within the next year or so, bringing more funding and expertise to the community. We'll be back after this. Hey, Jim Rosso, News Gazette Media Vice President, reminding you that we have a ton of podcasts available at newsgazette.com every day of the week. From Dave Gentry's Morning Show to Scott Beatty's News Hour to Brian Barnhart's Penny for Your Thoughts. Head to our website, newsgazette.com, and search for podcasts. This is Julie Worth, back for another Campus Conversation. My guest today is Rohit Bhargav, a professor of bioengineering and founding director of the new Cancer Center at the University of Illinois. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Julie. Pleasure to be here. So we talked about this last week. Um, the Cancer Center, which is housed at the Beckman Institute, right, right. was launched just over a year ago. Um, but I'm not sure a lot of people know much about it yet. Uh, I know it was created to bring together cancer researchers across campus under one umbrella. Why is that important, and what is its overall mission? So thank you, Julie. Thanks for, first of all, having me here. Sure. Uh, but this is a very interesting and nice development for our community here. Our cancer center is really unique. Um, the idea behind this cancer center is to bring new technologies and engineering approaches to bear on cancer. Right? We have tremendous expertise here, and I think as I mentioned previously, the, um, it's not just the engineering and technology that's important, it's the basic science that underlies that technology. It's the social and behavioral sciences that allow us to apply that technology. It's the economic sciences that allow us to evaluate the impact and so on. So we have to bring the whole campus together to address this problem in a coordinated way. And that's why this cancer center acts as a focal point. Uh, it's also a very nice uh, nationally recognized program in the country. There are these so-called National Cancer Institute designated cancer centers. So there are 70 of those, so it's quite prestigious to have one on your campus. But more importantly, they allow us to work in a coordinated way so that we can bring the best talents to bear in a very coordinated and efficient manner on cancer. And you're hoping to be designated, right, as a National Cancer we are. Institute within a couple of years? Yes, we hope sooner. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't sure <laughs> no, of the timeline. No, that's, that's correct. Um, uh, there are, so let me explain a little bit. There are 70 cancer centers that are designated by the NCI. Uh, 63 of them uh, deal with clinical operations of some sort. So there's a so-called comprehensive cancer centers, which have clinical basic science as well as public outreach uh, activities. There are clinical cancer centers that only uh, deal with the clinical operations and research. Like patients, uh, right? And so patients. Working with patients, right? Working. They actually have a hospital associated with them, and they actually run clinical operations in treating people. And then there are seven uh, centers that really focus on the science and uh, understanding cancer across the nation. So Purdue, for example, Purdue University and MIT in Boston are basic science cancer centers. And they're very interested in understanding how the, the mechanisms of cancers might work to help us design better drugs, for example, or better imaging techniques. So we hope to be a basic science cancer center and be the eighth one in the nation to be designated uh, by NCI. And the first one in a while, right? The first one in a while. The last basic science cancer center was designated almost 28 years ago. So this would be a, a tremendous advance for the country. And actually, there is no basic science cancer center 
that is focused on technology and engineering, right? All oh. of these. So you can imagine uh, your phone from 28 years ago. <laughs> that was a different technology, uh, <laughs> right? And, and even 10 years ago, the iPhone, for example, that you have today is so much more advanced than the iPhone of 10 years ago. And the iPhone of 10 years ago was, was significantly uh, advanced from the rotary phone uh, that we had 20 years ago. I remember those, ago, yes. Right? <laughs> so technology is really now at a, at a point where it can be applied uh, at mass scale and to problems that we weren't uh, thinking of for a while ago. So it's only fair that we have a cancer center now that's focused on that aspect. What do you have to do to win the designation? Just sort of, is it procedural paperwork or are, do you have to prove that you've made so many advances or... No, it's quite a challenge. So the, the first thing you have to begin with is a critical mass of researchers who are recognized uh, as per federal funding or, or other uh, metrics on a national level. So we actually have those. We, we do have uh, a large number of excellent researchers on our campus and in the local area. So we can, uh, we can build our research base um, or at least portray our research base quite well. And that really is a consequence of about 150 years of investment by the university in facilities, in hiring people, in building groups, and building the infrastructure needed to support that kind of science. So we started off from a very lucky position in having a, a nice number of people who can do work. It's over 90, right, I read? Uh, we actually have 70, almost 70 full members now who are, and by full members we define as people who have federal funding uh, for cancer research, right? Okay. Now, there are another about 50 investigators, at least, I would say, uh, who at this moment perhaps don't have the, the funding uh, to pursue research in this area or do things that are closely aligned but not directly impacting cancer uh, research per se. But eventually, they would like to shift slightly the, the focus of their work and maybe become cancer center members. So, you know, it, it's, it's safe to say there are at least uh, 100 people on campus who are excited about this and whom this will impact. And, and you know, that's a very large uh, number of uh, number of folks. That's the size of of several small universities. Sometimes, you were saying last week when we talked that you know the benefits include funding. I think you said the initial ten million dollars over five years or right. something typically, but also you know you, it opens you up to work with these partners. But it, it might also attract top people here. As Absolutely, well. for our community, this is so critical because uh, if you now think about if you're a cancer researcher and you want to do really exciting work. Uh, would you go to a NCI-designated cancer center or would you go somewhere else? And that's the advantage the designation process has. Right? The designation process really involves the uh, research, having a certain standard of facilities, uh, having a plan uh, to, to focus on certain areas over the next five years. So into this environment, it's very easy or much easier, I should say, to recruit people uh, who are interested in that kind of science that you're doing. Because you have the so plan set up. We have the plan set up. We have the right standards. We have national recognition. And so they will come. And now the interesting part is that once we're there, uh, how can we get new talents that add new things uh, and, and enhance our cancer center in ways that we don't have? And there's one particular thing I want to emphasize. Uh, we want to take our technology into the clinic. So we're really looking in the next wave to attract people who can move technologies into use. And that really would be critical with the designation. So currently the people you have are mostly basic scientists, right? They are. And, and several of them have done uh, a simply superb uh, you know, a job of taking their technology into the clinic. And it often takes too long. So if you talk to people who are trying to move their technology, myself included and others, uh, it takes 10 to 15 years to set up the whole agreement by yourself wow. to find the right collaborations to, to make sure you're supported, uh, to do institutional agreements and so on. 
And actually, that's what the cancer center can do. It can greatly accelerate that process. So that as individuals, we're not spending our time uh, doing paperwork. Instead, we're focusing on research. And the cancer center, having worked out through the processes and providing the staff, can really move things much faster. So instead of a 10-year horizon, maybe we're looking at a three-year horizon or a five-year horizon. And that really is the payoff for the university and our community, is moving things faster from basic research to actual use. Right, because patients obviously would benefit sooner, right? I think that's the, the widespread feeling. We all need a better way uh, in cancer research. And if we can provide that through technology and engineering, uh, this would be a great thing for the university to do. Um, you described, and you mentioned this earlier last week, about how it's bringing together people from across campus. So you're not just looking at maybe basic or you know devices and technologies, but perhaps the way cancer is treated or the way patients are treated. Is that part of your mission as well? So I think this is, absolutely it is. Uh, but the, the particular bent you take, right, there are various models in which you can think of new things or innovation. One is the brilliant scientist model <laughs> where you take a large number of people and hope somebody comes up with an idea. <laughs> uh, I think we can be more systematic than that. And actually where technology is useful now is it allows us to extend the abilities we have to understand things much beyond we could without technology. For example, uh, a microscope now allows you to see things that are at the single protein level that, that you couldn't see, say, 20 years ago. So how do we harness these new advancements to actually uh, make a difference in the way we conduct research and in the way we understand cancer? That's the key question today. Uh, the technology has moved fast. The biology has moved forward. Now how do we bring the two together in a very systematic way uh, so that we can do this at scale, not just one scientist at a time, but many of us can make advances uh, and and perhaps accelerate this much faster. Yeah, it sounded like it had, you know, benefits for patients beyond just, you know, finding a new drug or something. Most certainly. I, I think with this, uh, there are no uh, limits to the scope of what we're trying to do. So you might think of imaging tools to better diagnose those who might be at cancer at an earlier stage when treatments are more effective. Right. So conventional treatments might work better if they were just applied, if we had better tools to find people earlier. Right. By the same token, on the other side, there's good science on social and behavioral science that can help survivors cope better uh, with cancer. So uh, I think science leading to a better life is a, is a general paradigm that's proven true in this uh, past century, and it's time we started that in cancer. I know I was looking at some of the statistics. Cancer is still the second leading cause of death. I think 1.7 million people expected to be diagnosed this year and more than 600,000 people expected to die of it. So it remains a huge issue. Um, can you talk about your own research? Uh, I don't know if it relates to cancer specifically. I assume it does. It does. Uh, it does, and as you might expect from a technology and engineering perspective. Right, right. <laughs> so my uh, lab focuses on developing a microscope in which we try to see the molecular content of materials, not just their shape and size and color, right? So if you look in a traditional optical microscope, for example, or through your camera uh, in an iPhone or in a, uh, through a, a telescope, you're just able to appreciate the surface structure and you're able to appreciate maybe the color and shape and little features uh, spatially of those things. The microscopes we built allow us to illuminate uh, what chemicals there might be uh, in, ah. in the sample. And now the, every sample contains uh, a large number of chemicals. So the second part of our work involves using artificial intelligence or machine learning using the power of computing uh, to understand the molecular concept and try and diagnose cancers better. So our goal is can we find dangerous cancers early? Can we predict how a particular cancer in a particular person will progress? 
and perhaps we can understand a little bit of biology uh, if we have these new chemical imaging capabilities uh, to perhaps inform how we understand cancer better. Are some of these things already in use or being transferred to be used? They are. So some of the, the uh, this field is fast moving and there are some think. large companies now that are making instruments that would be, uh, that would be useful. Uh, but we hope that in the next few years, uh, the research we're doing today uh, becomes more commonplace in pathology departments and in biology. Uh, most certainly it has potential, uh, but to make a commercial product, there are many other considerations. For example, is it economically viable for the person making the product or the company investing in it? Uh, is there a marketing uh, machine behind it? Is there a service organization for, for equipment? So I think these things will take time. But the commercial sector is, is on it, and I, I hope we will see uh, this in use shortly. Well, healthcare is a huge part of everything, yeah, <laughs> the economy is, and yeah. everything. And a growing part of our economy in our daily lives. So I think right. it, Well, it we affects to everybody, too. This. I mean, everybody's interested in this. That's why we wanted to have you on. Right. Um, yeah. When you talked before about how this will be a basic sciences institute, basically, but you will have clinical partners, right? Absolutely. To test out some of these things? Absolutely. Including Carl, right? In the including community? Carl, including uh, OSF in our community. And so this is, uh, it's not just a question of one or two partners, because uh, of two reasons. One, uh, we have such firepower on campus. We have so many investigators who want to, now with this door opening and things becoming easier, I hope would want to move their innovations faster into use. And uh, again, with one or two places, uh, with the smaller volumes of patients we have in our local community, we're not going to be able to get all the trials and all the studies done that we can. So we have to leverage resources nationally. Uh, the good news is we are uh, at least the way we're positioning our cancer center, it would be pretty unique in the nation. And we would love to collaborate with many other organizations. So the university already uh, has a collaboration with the Mayo Clinic. It's the Mayo Illinois Alliance for Healthcare. So as part of that, of course, uh, several of our investigators have, have collaborations. We have good collaborations with the University of Illinois Chicago. Uh, of course, in our local area, uh, we have collaborations. And we're looking for collaborations elsewhere. Uh, and, the, whatever and this, we can do to move things faster. So this involves researchers here uh, testing things out with patients in clinics, or what, what does the collaboration involve? Yes, it does. And, and for the collaboration to work, you actually need two things. You need, first of all, an idea that two people can come around, right? And then you need to have the infrastructure to support them. So I'll give you an example. Um, we've had many ideas and lots of discussions, but a practical approach uh, is now working with Carl. So we have this program called C-STAR. It's a student program. And you might imagine, well, uh, you know, we're empowering students to do what? Well, we're empowering them in the following way. They're supposed to have a clinical advisor who is a, typically a physician at Carl. And they're supposed to have a research advisor who is a faculty member at the university. And with the input from these two people, the student is going to take their work and try and make it applied uh, to patient care. Maybe not in the in the immediate future, but certainly give that research a bent so that it's able to be translated either with the student or perhaps the next person who comes and takes over that project. So it's a very small practical step, but it's a step in the right direction, and hopefully we'll start seeing results soon. Is that with medical students? At no, these are, these are non-medical students. Okay. These are basic science students. They're okay. either from chemistry or physics or engineering or uh, or uh, you know even social and behavioral sciences as well. So yes, the idea is to take basic science and and bridge the gap with clinical science. Right. 
What kinds of things do you have with the Mayo Clinic now under that alliance? Ah, there's some very exciting work. So, for example, there's some of our work in which we are trying to develop better imaging techniques to look at prostate cancer. There's some very exciting work from Brian Cunningham in his lab, for example, uh, trying to look at biomarkers of cancer in blood, uh, where they're trying to make really sensitive imaging tools here uh, and really sensitive measurement sensors here, uh, which can be applied with the samples or large repository at Mayo and the expertise at Mayo. And hopefully we can accelerate this basic science of sensors to, to cancer care. Hence the whole bioengineering medical That's right. focus, right? This is a very exciting time for this campus. You know, we had the new bioengineering department about 15 years ago and the new College of Medicine, which is highly innovative and, and really one of its kind, and now the Cancer Center. So hopefully we, we're uh, putting up all the right kinds of facilities and infrastructure that will really make this happen. You described the College of Medicine last week as maybe the Institute's best friend. Uh, you, right. you wor- you're going to be working in partnership with them on some things as well? Absolutely. Or? I think their mission and the, the organization they have is absolutely first rate. Of course, there's lots of interest, as uh, we've all heard, uh, in this concept. And it needs our researchers to, to take the same concept but now make it practical to, to implement on the research side. The College of Medicine does a fabulous job of educating students and uh, certainly very innovative uh, going forward. But how do we extend that to all colleges and all schools uh, in a particular area? So that's our job. We feel that in the cancer space we can, uh, we can bring in innovative research, uh, tie people together across all colleges, uh, certainly with the College of Medicine and others as well. Um, tell us about the Cancer Scholars Program. Um, I gather it's targeted at students from high school to graduate school and beyond. Is that part of the Yes, this system? is so exciting. We have <laughs> uh, our high school program. We have an undergraduate program. We have graduate and postgraduate programs now in the Cancer Center. And Rex Gaskins is our Associate Director for Education. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've devoted um, uh, Rex full-time to this, this effort of these six programs that we've got. Um, and we're trying to improve them every day. But Cancer Scholars is my personal favorite. Uh, Here's what we do with it. Uh, We bring in students who are newly admitted to the University of Illinois, and even before they show up on campus over the summer, we ask them, are you interested in cancer research? And if they say yes, we ask them to write an essay, uh, a one-page essay, and we admit them. We admit some of them. Uh, The interesting fact is that any person we've ever admitted to that program, uh, there's nobody who has ever declined us. Oh. So there's a tremendous interest in that program. We, we're now at about 60 students. Uh, the first group just graduated and left last year. Uh, the program really uh, tries to put a real-world uh, emphasis and a real-world problem around your whole education. So the very first semester they come in, we run a course called Frontiers in Cancer Research, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It tells students in less jargon-filled uh, language, but still tells them, uh, where the, the action is in the cancer world and how they can possibly contribute, but also tells them what in their coursework here would allow them to contribute to that. So within your first semester, your entire coursework starts to make sense, mm. and you understand that there's a purpose behind your whole education. So it makes the students more serious. They're more dedicated. They understand what they're doing much better. And actually the cohort of all the students coming together and sharing in this idea uh, makes them much stronger. Then in the second semester onwards, we have them do research in someone's lab. Now, that's a very interesting idea because you're taking very young, uh, almost just out of high school, one semester out of high school students, and you're putting them in a lab at the front lines of cancer research, right? So what an incredible opportunity for the students. Uh, And now they know enough from the first semester and they're learning 
as they go along yes, to be more dedicated and more open-minded about research uh, than the average student, perhaps. So they begin research, and then we have a series of courses over the next few years and other activities for them. But essentially, we're providing research as an educational tool while at the same time inspiring their education with a problem that they care about. So when they graduate, they are they're very mature. They understand uh, ideas better. They may or may not end up all going into cancer research, but they are significantly better students uh, than if they had not gone through the program. So we're very excited about this. Our first class just graduated. One student is off to MIT, for example, to do a PhD. Another one is off to University of California, San Francisco to do an MD, PhD, <laughs> and so on. So it has inspired and opened up doors for, for students. Somebody has gone to industry. Someone is, is doing something else. And they're all very successful. Uh, but they all had a much better education because of using cancer as a topic to inspire education. I think that's interesting that you said it kind of gives them a context for other classes Absolutely. to build it around that one one issue or one problem. I want so I wonder did any go to graduate school who weren't thinking about it initially? Do you know? Uh, that's a, since we have small numbers, so our first class was only twelve students. Okay. So it's hard to uh, you know say that well statistically this would happen. Oh. But anecdotally, we can say that um, the one thing that they all did was they found the path that they wanted to take, um, and they're very confident now in that path, and I, I look forward to seeing in a few years what they do. I think any any program that gives them a cohort of other students doing the same thing really makes a difference. Really makes a difference. We And, and this is such an inspiring topic, right? I mean, every, all of us know somebody with cancer, right? somebody who's gone through this. So it's really an inspiring topic for them to, to base their education on and really provide some relevance to, uh, to their education, I think, early on. So you hope to get this designation for the National Cancer Institute, you said, before 2020 maybe or by 2020? Or I think it'll plan? be by 2020. Okay. So we actually, there's a lot of work still to be done. And the designation process itself is very tough. Uh, I should point that out. Uh, many organizations struggle for years, in fact, decades, uh, to get the designation. And so we are, uh, our concept is very exciting. Our research is strong. Uh, but the NCI also expects you to have the right facilities, have the right kind of mechanisms in place to steward resources properly, make sure that you can focus on cancer research long term and have good plans and so on. And that depends on them reviewing you to be at a certain standard. So we have to go and, and uh, seek how we are uh, at the right national standard, and if we are so recognized, then we will be designated. I well, like so. you said, it has kind of a unique focus, so that would that would surely help. That surely think. helps, right? Um, there was a story I read that said that the institute's going to focus on four areas. I think. I mean, you have it organized around four areas of research right. or four areas of work. Do you want to talk about right, that? Broadly a little bit? speaking, so there are two uh, areas that we're going to begin with first. Uh, the first one we focus on what we call data and measurement science. And that's exactly what it sounds like. You measure cancer and you uh, find ways to deal with the data better or, or get new data to inform you um, uh, better. The second is bridging the engineering and biology continuum. So we think that there are engineering approaches. For example, how do you make a, in a lab, in a dish, in a Petri dish, how do you make a tumor that would mimic the behavior inside a human? So wow. that's, uh, you know, engineering a tumor is a, <laughs> is a very engineering thing, but then there's biology involved in how a tumor behaves and so on. And traditionally, one has just studied biology or one has just studied engineering, but now we're combining these two. So we think these mm -hmm. two chunks are, are big ones to, to pull off at the, at the outset. And then we, over time, we hope to extend, or, or very quickly, we hope to extend in the social and behavioral sciences 
and focus on that as our next focus. And then the fourth area we would like to focus on is more translating our advances uh, into use. So the first step, we have to uh, shore up our basic sciences, put it together, uh, get the approval from the NIH to be designated, uh, and then we would go on to the other two uh, you know, advances. But we have a plan for the next few years, and we're going to move fast, uh, and I hope we will move, uh, make research move faster. Can I, I've neglected to ask you, uh, how did you wind up at the university initially? Oh, that's a great story. So, Tell us your uh, life story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I was trained as a chemical engineer uh, okay. for my undergraduate, and then my uh, uh, doctoral studies were in the area of polymer physics. So this was plastics and, and making actually making uh, display devices. Uh, but uh, during my uh, Ph.D. work, we actually developed this chemical imaging microscope that we talked oh, about previously. Yeah. Um, and when I was graduating, uh, a very interesting opportunity came up at the National Institutes of Health uh, to do more science with this microscope. And we were going to do uh, some very exciting science on how proteins actually work, um, you know, there. But in my first few days at, at the NIH, uh, I heard a talk and realized that we could use this chemical imaging microscope to actually look at cancers in yeah. a way that, you know, people had not looked at before. So I started down that path and spent a few years there, uh, developed the first few examples of using chemical imaging to look at cancer, uh, mm -hmm. and then started to look for faculty positions because I wanted to work with students and had to have, uh, collaborate more extensively. Uh, among all the places that I looked at, uh, of course, the University of Illinois is, is one of the best uh, engineering and technology places in the world. Uh, the second thing was I was offered the opportunity to be in the Beckman Institute, uh -huh. uh, which really is, is a unique and most wonderful place. <laughs> uh, and if you uh, it's a place where your intellectual uh, capacity is multiplied manifold because you have such wonderful collaborators and there's no barrier to collaborating uh, with people. So that was the second aspect. The third aspect was I would be the first external hire in then the new bioengineering department. Uh -huh. so, so everybody actually, else came from within the campus? Yes, yeah, so there were some people who had started the department and they were already on campus and then they were recruiting. I believe the department was formally... Uh, organized in December 20, uh, in 2004, and uh, I think my first interview was in February 2005. So I was at the, the front end um, of the recruitment process here. And uh, to me, coming into a new space and the, the chance to uh, formulate a new department was extremely exciting. Uh, my postdoctoral mentor strongly advised against doing it, and he said, <laughs> early in your career, you should go to a place where it's very settled and you have all the resources. You'd have to do a lot more work to get the same thing done. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was really exciting to start that up. And actually, the experience of working in the initial stages of the bioengineering department uh, really helped launch the cancer center uh, in, in very exciting ways for us. So the experience I got in, in organizing people and organizing ideas and curricula and so on uh, actually helped Cancer Center uh, go much faster than it otherwise would have. Was it your idea to create the Cancer Center? I think these ideas had been around on, on combining engineering with biology and perhaps using Cancer Center, but I organized it on the campus uh, initially with some ideas. And actually, uh, the catalyzing event, I would, I would put the credit towards two of my very distinguished colleagues. Uh, so Barbara Fees and Tamer Basar are two very senior colleagues and highly respected colleagues on our campus. They organized this uh, cross-campus transdisciplinary summit in oh. which they invited, you know, if you have an idea, you come and organize a meeting. Uh, and so I put in a proposal for, for uh, uh, organizing around cancer, 
And we had a very nice symposium and a lot of us, about 65 people were engaged in that symposium and we decided that we should have a, a cancer community uh, to be formed. So in 2011, we formed what is called the now defunct cancer community at Illinois. <laughs> Uh, and that became the Cancer Center at Illinois, uh, which then became an institute on our campus in 2018. Uh, so it took us a few years to get uh, approval from, for example, organize as a center uh, and become an institute and then get approval from our Senate, uh, from the Board of Trustees and the Illinois Board of Higher Education. Uh, but now we're, we're here. Wow. All right. I didn't know all that history, so that wow. is interesting. Um, so how many people are affiliated with it now? You said probably 70 researchers plus. So there are 70 full members, as we call members. them, because they are, they are federally funded and they have significant cancer publications within the last few years. Uh, that's the that's a standard definition from the uh, NCI designation process. Okay. Um, and then uh, if you count the people who are involved in our activities, for example, those who come to seminars or uh, attend annual meetings for the Cancer Center or work in a collaborative space, uh, I would say there's a good 50 to 100 more other people. Uh, right now, will they uh, change their focus and become full-time cancer researchers? Uh, I hope <laughs> they do, uh, but but still, they're very important uh, people who either collaborate with our primary members, participate in our committees, uh, provide really great support uh, to the cancer center, and and we've been so fortunate uh, to have support from all aspects of uh, or from all corners of the university, the university administration, my fellow institute director colleagues. Uh, and all department heads and others. Cool. So it really takes a village to get this going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Well, it's interesting. There's so many interdisciplinary things like this on campus, you know, that just sort of bubble up from the actual people doing the work, and it's just really interesting to watch. Yeah, so. this is actually a very wonderful campus. It, uh, there's a lot of scope for innovation, so you can think of new ideas. And since this community is so well-connected, I think it's a function of our community as well and local area we're in, uh, people like to work with each other. <laughs> and so when you put those two things together, innovative things that people gather around, uh, you start to see results like you're seeing now. Well, hopefully we'll be hearing a lot more about this. So um, thank you so much for being with us today. It thank was you, nice Julie. To talk I appreciate to you. it. Okay. Take thank care. You.